Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at theexchangechurchhouston.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kiltz. In this message, you will be encouraged and challenged as you see how to overcome the enemy as he takes the opportunity to whisper lies through your pain. So glad that you guys are here today. If, if uh, you were here last week, you saw that Pastor Jared started a new sermon series called When Blank Happens. How many know that sometimes in life, blank happens, right? It does. And, and uh, what we really kind of jumped into, and it was just so good. I mean, all I can say about the, the sermon last week is a wow, because it was just so powerful, spoke to my heart. And if you weren't able to see that message or hear that message, get on our Facebook. Um, in fact, check in right now on Facebook. Let everybody know that you're here. Uh, and, and, you know, you can go to our webpage, get on our webpage, and you can hear the podcast, like it and comment on it and share it. Get the word out there because it's a life-changing sermon. And uh, we talked about when blank happens. We really talked about when, when hurt happens. And how many know that we all deal with pain, right? We all deal with hurt. And one of the things that Pastor Jared said last week was that that is a fact, is that we all go through pain. And the problem with our pain is not the hurting of it, is that we don't know what to do with it. We really haven't been trained. We really haven't been taught. He talked about how it doesn't matter, you know, how awesome of Christians your parents were. They probably didn't teach you how to be able to deal with pain. And so what most of us do is we start to just stuff that pain and we stuff that hurt into what he called the hurt locker. And we start to fill that baby up. And what happens is, is because we didn't deal with our pain, because we didn't allow the Lord to start to heal us from that pain and take that pain away, we stuff it and we stuff it and we stuff it, and all of a sudden it starts to come out in our lives. And I'm going to continue in that message and in that thought today, and we're going to talk about the hurt whisperer. Everybody say, the hurt whisperer. Now listen, I'm going to talk a lot about the enemy today, okay? And it's not something that I really like to do because I think when you come to the house of the Lord that uh, Jesus should always be exalted, amen? And so I'm going to talk a lot about our enemy, not to exalt him, but to expose him, okay? And in exposing him, we are going to exalt the King of kings and the Lord of lords because we're in a situation right now, we're in a season right now of celebrating. Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? We're about to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in Christmas time, we're going to celebrate that. And, and this morning, I want you to, though, to know that not everybody's celebrating in the celebration time. That really, when, when families start to come together, there's a lot of people that, that brings out some hurt. That it also makes them remember some pain. Uh, some people don't have anybody over the holidays, and it really can become a time of depression. And it, what happens is that hurt, that when we stuffed all that hurt in that hurt locker, the enemy comes in, 
he starts to stir up all these hurts in, this, in seasons like this. And I want to expose the enemy today because he is the hurt whisperer. He uses it as an opportunity now to be able to speak lies into our lives. Now, everybody say hurt whisperer one more time. Hurt whisperer. You've heard about the dog whisperer before? Okay. And you've probably heard of like a horse whisperer. Uh, you've never heard of a cat whisperer because somebody tried to do that one time and got their, their faces scratched off, okay? Because I don't know if you know this, but cats don't like anything, and they definitely don't like you whispering to them. So, so a lot of times we hear dog whisperer, we hear, you know, horse whisperer, and that's in a, in a positive connotation. What I'm talking to you about today is not like that, though. The hurt whisperer. We're going to talk about the enemy, and, and all of a sudden, he starts to come into our lives dear, during times of hurt, during times of pain, and he begins to slip messages in. And here's, here's, here's what I believe, guys, is the, the worst part of pain is not the pain, okay? A lot of us think that. We think, oh, I don't want to ever have to go through anything, and we pray prayers like that. Oh, God, don't let me go through anything, okay? We're, life is going to happen, right? Blank happens. The worst thing about pain is not the pain. It's the message that remains after the pain. It's the message that the hurt whisperer starts to, he takes that opportunity when you're hurt, when you're vulnerable, and he starts to speak lies into your life. And we're going to expose the enemy today. In, in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is speaking and he says this. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Okay, and I'm glad that he doesn't just stop right there because that could be depressing. He says, but I have come, and I have come that you may have life, and you may have life more abundantly. Now, aren't you glad that we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that gives us life? Amen. Amen. And not just life, but abundant life. Amen. Well, in this, this, what he's telling us is he's like, look, guys, you need to be aware. You don't need to exalt the enemy, but you need to be aware that you do have an enemy. And he says, and I want you to know that this enemy, he comes in and he has one purpose, and that purpose is to come and to destroy, it's to kill and to steal. And every time that he comes into your life, that is what he's looking to do. Now listen, we don't need to be afraid of this enemy. Because Jesus also tells us that when he came through his death, burial, and resurrection, that our enemy is completely and totally defeated. Right. Amen? He's been completely taken all of his power away. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. But again, I will say we do need to be aware. And my assignment today is to reveal to you the tricks of the enemy. To kind of pull back the veil, to look into a, a hidden place, a dark place where the enemy likes to work and he tries to bring destruction into our lives. Because I believe with all my heart that God wants us to be free of our pain. He wants us operating in our lives out of a pain-free, hurt-free environment. Amen? Amen? So to reveal the tricks of the enemy, let me first tell you this. Something about our enemy he does not fight fair. He doesn't. And, he, and here's the thing. I know that you all are just, y'all are all good people here today. And that you were taught, you know, when somebody's down, you don't kick somebody when they're down, right? That when you see somebody that they're in their lowest of low, you need to, you need to back off. Well, let me tell you this. The enemy is just the opposite of that. 
He's a jerk, okay? And he doesn't fight fair. And when he sees you at your lowest low, when he sees you down, he is going to kick you, he's going to come in, and he's going to try to destroy everything that is attached to you. And here's the problem, though. He operates in stealth mode. Everybody say stealth mode. Do you know what that is? Uh, When I was a kid, a big thing, we came up with this stealth bomber. And it was like revolutionary. Now, I know now, kids, that's not that big of a deal. Like, oh, wow, he can fly below the radar and whatever. And y'all have drones and y'all are super cool, way more cool than this old guy, right? But we had this stealth bomber. And, and what it was is this stealth was able to go on missions and operate under the radar. Operate in a way where you couldn't detect. Now, I'm telling you, our enemy, that is the way that he works. He doesn't present himself. If he did, it would be so easy, right? I mean, Jay, if you had a knock on the door, and you went and you opened up the door, and there was a guy standing there in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork talking about, I'm the devil, and I'm here to tear up your house and your family and everything connected to you. May I come in? What would you say? Ha ha. I found you out. You cannot come in. I have all authority over you. And you would win that battle, right? But he doesn't come that way. You know, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, the Bible tells us, Jesus said this. He said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. He says, I give you power over the enemy. I give you authority over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Do you guys believe that today? Do you believe that we have authority? Do you believe that Jesus came to this earth, that he died, and that he not only died, but he, was, he rose again? Do you believe that he received all the power and he gave all that power to us? Yes, I believe that this morning, okay? So the problem is not our power. The problem is that we don't identify the enemy. The problem is that we don't see him because he is in stealth mode. And and I can tell you it even happened as early as the first time that we see him in the Bible. He showed up in an animal. What was the animal that he showed up in? A snake? A serpent? He was in stealth mode. The, The worst thing about a snake is that you don't know that he's there when he's there. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I come from West Texas where we have rattlesnakes. And rattlesnakes, they, the, the color is the same as the land there. And so you'll be walking and you will hear it before you see it. Okay? Why? It's because that snake is in stealth mode. And that's the way that our enemy is. And I want to expose the enemy. And I want to tell you two disguises. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. This is something that is going to empower you and help you overcome the enemy in every area of your life. Two disguises that the enemy uses. The first one is us. Taking notes, write that down. Number one, us. His number one disguise. He speaks into our hearts and our minds. He, he, this is what he does. He puts a thought into your heart, and then he accuses you of having that thought. Okay? So in the heat of the moment, when you are, you know, angry at somebody, somebody hurt you, they, they did something that you didn't expect, right? All of a sudden, in the heat of that moment, there's a thought that comes to you, like, I hate this person, and I, I want to choke their life out, right? That thought comes to you. And you're like, and all of a sudden, there's another thought after that that says, I can't believe that you had that thought. You must not even be a Christian. And you think that thought came from you. Now, listen to this. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it is the wellspring of life. 
So here we have King Solomon. He's the, he's the, the wisest man that ever lived. And he says, above anything that I ever told you, above all the things I told you that were about spiritual things and about relationships and about money, and about all, above all those things, I want you to know, I want you to remember this. I want you to take it and live it. Guard your heart. And I remember growing up in church, I would be like, guard your heart from, from what? And I remember reading this, this passage of Scripture In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it's kind of a a weird, funny scripture that just sticks out. It says, in every battle, we'll put this up on the sky Bible for you. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield. So we're in a battle, and you're going to need faith as a shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Why do you need a shield? It's to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my parents got me a bow and arrow set because we played uh, cowboys and Native Americans. Um, I'm <laughs> okay, I'm PC, all right. And so I like to be the Native American, right? And I would get this bow and arrow. And I remember I loved it because it came with a target. And I would sit there and I would pull back this bow and I would shoot this arrow and I would try to hit the target. And I would do it over and over until I got pretty good at it. And then I thought, I don't want to do this target anymore. And I'll go outside and I'll try to shoot the birds, right? And then I would run over to the neighbor's house and I'll try to shoot the neighbor's cat, right? And I was getting pretty good at hitting my target. I, I was really good. And there was nothing more satisfying than hitting the target. And the Bible just says right here that our enemy who puts on disguises, he comes where you can't see him, and he pulls back his bow, and he shoots arrows into our hearts. Those arrows are thoughts. And we need to protect ourselves from these thoughts, and many times we don't. And so in the middle of pain, in the middle of hurt, the hurt whisperer comes, He starts whispering, he does it, he pulls back his bow and he shoots a crazy thought into your heart. And then he says, how could you have that thought? And with that comes shame and fear. He surrounds it with shame and fear. And all of a sudden we're stuck. We're stuck like Chuck, man. We don't know where to go, what to do. We start to become depressed. We start to, uh, you know, question everything because he comes And he gets us to believe that those thoughts came from us. He disguises himself as us. The second disguise that the enemy, we're exposing him this morning, that he uses, he loves this one, is God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Number two, God. He disguises himself as the voice of God. He speaks into our minds. He rears back and he shoots the arrows that are thoughts into our hearts. And he gets us to believe that they're coming from God. And the reason that he does it is because if we think to ourselves, if this message, if this idea is from myself or from God, then we just blindly accept it. And we start to live by it. We start to walk with it. But if I knew it was the enemy, right, like I said before, if he came up and he knocked on the door and he had the horns and he had the red suit and he had the pitchfork and he even had his bow and arrow and you opened up the door and you saw him pulled back with that bow you would shut the door really quick and you'd be like ha 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 nanny nanny boo boo right right i've got the power you can't do it right that's what you would do is that the way he comes though no he's a snake he's a snake in the grass where you can't see him speaking into your heart he's the hurt whisperer 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, the Apostle Paul, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. And we'll put this up on the screen for you. And he says this. Listen to this. He says, I'm, I'm jealous. Now, he's speaking to this. It's, it's almost you would think of it as a pastor to a, a people that he leads. Okay? And, and it's just that Paul, he, he related to a lot of churches, a lot of works that he pioneered and started. And he loved these people. And he loved them because he loved God. And he knew that they were God's people. And so he's writing this letter and he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Okay, that's a, there's a good jealousy and there's a bad jealousy. Okay, this is a good jealousy. He says it's a godly jealousy. He says, because I promised you to one husband, to Christ. So he's like, my life message is to raise up this church, not for me, but for, for him. That you guys would have a relationship with him. And I promised him that it would be this way. And then he says this, so that I might present you a pure virgin to him. Verse 3, but I am afraid. What are you afraid of, Paul? He says that just as Eve was deceived by what? The serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So here's Paul, and he's saying, I'm afraid because you guys aren't aware of how the enemy works. He's like, his tricks have never changed. It's the same as it was even way back with Eve. But I'm afraid that you're going to fall to the same trickiness and craftiness and cunningness, that snake in the grass speaking into your lives. I'm afraid that this thing is going to happen. Listen to this. He goes on to say in verse 13, for such people are false prophets, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. This is verse 14. is so important. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's one of his disguises. You know, if Eve would have even known about this fake thing of a red suit. And that's not how the enemy actually looks, okay, but that's how Americans think he looks. If she would have known that she had an enemy and he would have come in the form of a serpent, she, she wouldn't have been deceived, okay? But there was this voice that was speaking to her that seemed good, Right? Paul is saying right here that he, the enemy, will disguise himself as God, as an angel of light, as a voice from God. And so many times we're looking for this, this thing that looks like the devil, but I'm telling you, that's not how he works. He disguises himself, and we have to uncover him today because we don't want him to continue to wreak havoc in our marriages, come on, in our lives anymore. We don't want him destroying our relationships with our children. We don't want him destroying our children anymore. Amen? Amen. So today, I'm going to give you a couple of biblical examples about how this works. And really, we're just going to take it back to the beginning of what Paul just talked about. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read through this story and it talks about, in verse 1, there was a serpent that was more cunning. So he was crafty and he was tricky than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now, now listen, I'm going to give you something that I believe. This is the gospel according to Kevin. And you, you can take it or leave it. After studying this this whole week, um, I really don't think that she looked at a serpent and saw a serpent speaking to her. 
Because we understand that the serpent is good at disguises. He's good at blending in. He's good at stealth mode. I think she just heard a voice. I think she's walking. She sees this stuff. And all of a sudden, just like it happens to all of us, we, have a, we hear a voice, right? It starts to come. And, and, and the voice said to her, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the, and the woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat for you shall, if you, you touch it, lest you die. Okay, that's what God had said. And then the serpent said to the woman, no, 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 this voice, nah, you're not going to die. For God knows, come on, that in the day that you eat, your eyes are going to be open and that you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. At that moment, she should have just understood that this was the enemy, right? That he had a pitchfork and he had horns and she just should have said, get behind me, Satan. I already am like God, right? Because he made me in his image. That, it should have been stopped right there, but she, but she didn't. For God knows in the day you eat it, the eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and she ate, and she also gave to her husband that was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And then they did something strange. It says, all of a sudden they went and they sewed fig leaves together, and they begin to cover themselves. Why? And they heard a sound of the Lord God, and he's walking in the cool of the day, and, the Adam, and Adam and his wife, they, they hid themselves. Why? Why are they covering themselves? Why are they now hiding themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden? Verse 9 says, the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? And so he said, I, I heard your voice in the garden, and this is why. This is why they hid. They were afraid. Afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He was ashamed. And he said, who told you that? Who to what voice? Where did this come from? Who told you that? I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat. Listen, the serpent comes, and the first thing that this deceiver, this, this one that is cunning and crafty, this one that has no power, but he gets in stealth mode, and he starts to attack through thoughts. The first thing that he does is he says, has God said? The first thing he did was to bring doubt upon God's word. Because before the devil can defeat you, he's got to disarm you. See, he wants your Bible on the coffee table, collecting dust. He doesn't want it in your mind engaged for battle. So the enemy starts to disarm Eve, and he says, he brings doubt. Has God said? Did God really say that? And, and she says, yes, that God says, on, on the day that we eat this, we will surely die. Now, now listen, the devil is a liar. Okay, And he comes to destroy, and he comes to steal, and he comes to kill. And he doesn't want us blessed, and he wants us miserable. So, so when he comes, he lies to her, and she takes it. She believes the lie. They ate of the fruit, and that day they died. At that moment, God had said, in the moment that you eat, you will die. In that moment, they both died spiritually. In that moment that they died spiritually, 
and pain came, the hurt whisperer started to whisper. He started to try to get a message to them. He started to bring shame and fear into their lives. There's something wrong with you. Everything's not right. This, this isn't paradise anymore. There's something wrong with you, Adam. There's some, look at you, Eve. God can't love you now. And God comes along, and what does he say? Who told you that? Who, to, who spoke this to you? What is God trying to get Adam and Eve to start to do? He's trying to get them to see that they have an enemy. And the way that the enemy attacks us is not with knives and not with guns and not with bombs, right? He attacks us with thoughts. And he's trying to get them, Adam, think for a second. Where did that thought come from? It didn't come from me. Who told you that? Who spoke that to you? And if Adam and Eve would have just took the time to think for a second, and the reason that I'm saying this, guys, is because we need to do that. If Adam and Eve would have just took the time to think for a second, they would have thought, man, that thought's not coming from God. That that thought's not coming from me because I'm made in His image. This is what we need to start to do, guys, because I'm telling you, hurt is going to happen. Pain is going to come into your life. And when it happens, you are going to be vulnerable. When it happens, you are going to be in the middle of your marriage and you are going to be down and out and hurting. And in that moment, the enemy is going to use it as an opportunity to whisper. He's the hurt whisperer. And he's going to start to get little message. And the problem is not the pain. The pain goes away. It's the message that lasts. That we start to believe and we start to hold on to. It's crazy to me that two people who had never had a bad day, two people that they didn't have a bad past, they didn't have a bad mom or a, 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 a dad that had, you know, done something wrong to them, they hadn't had a, a season of trouble. They had lived in perfection. They had lived in paradise. And even in that environment, listen, if they can succumb to this type of trickery, that's what Paul said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that my heart is that you have a relationship with God and that you will not last that you will not live this abundant life because you fell to the same trickery. One more example. I love this. God really opened this up to me in a new way that I've, I've never seen this last week, and it's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. This passage always bothered me. It really did. And when you understand the context, because uh, everybody remember the disciple Peter, okay, in context, in, the, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had just had a conversation with them, and he had just said, who do you guys think that I am? And the disciple Peter spoke up, and he says, with passion, he says, with authority, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus stops everything, and he looks at him, and he says, you know what? You have had received this thought, you have heard this, from the spirit of truth. You've heard this from God. And he says, you know what? You are the rock. And that's like, 
awesome. So when I think of him, I'm like, yes, he's the rock. He's just coming off of a win. He's doing really good. And then it goes into this story in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Listen to this. This is what he was sharing with them. He must go to there and be killed. And not just he didn't just stop there. He didn't just go, I'm going to go die on a cross. He also unfolds the whole story to them. He says that he will be raised on the third day. How many know that's good news? That's what we as Christians, I mean, you get in the middle of a worship service and you just start throwing out, he's not dead, he's alive, and we start getting pumped up, right? That's the good news. That's the gospel. Yes, we're more than overcomers. That is what should have happened in this setting. These disciples are hearing the end of the story, and they should have heard what Jesus was saying and be like, yes, that's right. This is going to take us over the top. This is going to take us to places that we never thought we could have been. This is awesome. This is the end of the story. Yeah. That's not what happened. It says, as soon as Jesus told them the good stuff, it says in verse 22, Peter took him aside, Jesus, and he began to rebuke Jesus. Now, everybody know that's a bad, that's a bad idea, Peter. Don't rebuke Jesus. I mean, come on. And he takes him to the side and he says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. With passion. This shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And I used to think, man, Jesus was just a jerk that day. Like, he just told him he's the rock, and then he told him you're Satan. Was, I, Peter must have been sit, sitting there, he just called him Satan. He's like, you're changing my name again? Like, I was pumped up about the rock stuff. Can you smell? No. The rock, Okay. But now you're calling me Satan? Listen, think about it. Was Jesus really talking to Peter when he said, get behind me, Satan? Here's the thing. Peter was a fisherman in his previous life. And he left it all. You see, before he was a nobody. Nobody knew about him. And all of a sudden, he became a follower of the Son of God. That's a big deal. Hey, Peter was there when Jesus is raising people from the dead. When he's spitting and putting on people's eyes, and they were blind, and now they can see. Okay, if we had YouTube back then on the video, Peter's in the background. He's a YouTube sensation. Everybody knows who he is. He didn't have a life. He was a nobody. Now he's a somebody. And the one who got him from being a nobody to a somebody, the one who believed in him when nobody else would believe in him, is now saying, I'm going to leave you guys. I know that all of Peter's life is not recorded in the Bible, but in just meditating on this this last week, there had to have been something that had happened to Peter at some time in his previous life before being a disciple that he started to believe that I'll never be anything. I'll always be a nobody. 
Something that, a hurt that he carried. And all of a sudden, let me, let, me, let me tell you something. When you hear through ears of hurt, you hear differently than everybody else. So when all of his brothers are like, yeah, we're going to bring this whole thing. We're going to cover the earth. We're going to have the power. He's going to die, but he's going to be raised again. Yes, Peter's going, you can't leave me. I rebuke you. Don't do this. And in the middle of that, Jesus turns around and he says, Satan, not to Peter. He says, I need you to stop for a second, Peter. I didn't tell you that. That thought did not come from me. And that thought is not coming from you. Although it feels right. There's something inside of you that is a, a, a tuning fork going on, going, said, no, 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 this is the voice of God. This can't happen because I need you, Jesus. I can't, I can't be a nobody again. And Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. I'm trying to teach you, Peter. I'm trying to show you that there is in your hurt a hurt whisperer that's speaking things into your heart, and you need to raise up the shield of faith. Jesus wasn't having a bad day. He wasn't being a jerk. He was training Peter to be a great apostle one day. And that's what we need to start to do. We need to start to expose the enemy. We need to do what Ephesians chapter 4, I'll put it up on the Sky Bible for you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. You see, guys, pain and hurt produces anger. That's natural, okay? You're, you're never going to get to a place as a Christian where you're so, you know, full of Jesus that you're never going to have anger. Oh, you, you achieved it. That will not happen. When pain comes, it produces anger. When friction happens, when hurt happens, it produces anger. The Bible says that's okay. But in that moment, we must be mature enough to know, okay, I'm still a Christian. Although I'm getting anger, I'm still a Christian. I haven't lost my salvation or anything, right? I'm still a Christian. And now I need to stop and think about what I'm thinking about. I need to lift up a shield of faith. You know, many times I can tell you in marriage... We're celebrating my, my wife's birthday today. And, you know, we've, we've been married now for over 18 years. We're in our 19th year of marriage. And I can tell you that Lisa and I have gotten to fights in our, in our years of marriage. Okay? And, and this says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And what many of us do is I can remember early in our marriage, you know, in the first and the second year, we would get in these fights and we would just scream at each other and we would say horrible things and then we would go to bed. And the Bible says, don't do that. Because when you do that, it says you're giving a place to the enemy. Because what happens is before, when your marriage was okay, and then you got in, you know, this one day you got in a fight, and your marriage is okay, and now you got in a fight, and you don't deal with it, you don't talk about it, you don't work things out, you sleep on it, and while you're sleeping on it, when you wake up, all of a sudden, he starts whispering. And the enemy, I'm telling you, in our, in our second, first and second years of marriage, I, I was convinced I'm just going to be honest with you. I was convinced that I had married the wrong person. Right? He, in my hurt, he would whisper 
oh man, you're the most unluckiest person. You married the devil. I mean, she said he was telling me the same thing. I was convinced that none of it was my fault. I was convinced if only she would change, things would get better. Yeah, I see some of you shaking. All of us that are married have had these same thoughts. Why? Because in the hurt, in the anger, he takes it as an opportunity to be the hurt whisperer, and he whispers. And because it feels good, right? He didn't come in with horns and a pitchfork. Da, 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 da. I am Satan, and I proclaim these thoughts to you. Oh, if we heard that, we'd be like, ha, ha, ha. No, I have not married the wrong person. I did not marry the devil. We would do that, but that's not how it comes. In the hurt, it feels good. It feels right. And over and over, it was like a snowball that turned into, for me, like Pastor talked about, I medicated my pain last week. He talked about that. I medicated it with alcohol, pornography, strip clubs, I was horrible to my wife. Just taking it, I was taking everything down with me. And I remember going, we, we finally said, you know what? Forget about it. We've tried everything else. Why not try church? One last thing. We're going to throw church in there. And it was at church that I met a man. And, and, he, and he came to me. Now listen, I'm going, to tell, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how this, this worked for me. Okay. When I was a kid, I was a, I was a, hor- I was a horrible kid, okay? I, I was a little fart. I was a little toot. Uh, I had great parents. I was raised in church. My mom led worship. My dad played on the bass. My mom taught Sunday school. I mean, every day, every time the doors opened, I was in the house of God. But here's the thing. I was what they labeled a strong-willed child, like super, like all the way, as strong-willed as you could get, I was that kid. Every day I was getting spankings. Every day I was doing the wrong thing. I was making bad choices. I was always the kid that was in trouble. That was me. Yeah, can you believe it? That was me, right? And so I have this vivid memory, okay, that one day I was at church. And let me, let me just tell you a little story about how bad I was first, okay? I remember I was in church sitting over here. And we, I lived in a small town, and they had a, a, a pulpit, and there, one of the deacons would come up. And, and because it was such a small church, we would have prayer requests every Sunday. And we'd say, this guy would get there, and who, who has a prayer request? And somebody would say, well, y'all need to be praying for my cow. That, every week, somebody, we prayed for a cow. Somebody else prayed, y'all pray for my dog. He's got scurvy and diarrhea. And we prayed, we prayed for all that stuff, okay? After we got done... With the prayer request, they would say, find, you, find yourself a place to pray. So if that's in the pew or if that's coming to the altar, and the organ lady would play, and everybody would find, and it was supposed to be quiet. It was like a somber time. We honored God. And, and I was a little toot, though, right? And I can remember my mom told me, Kevin, this is the time of service. She talked through her teeth when she was married, <laughs> when she was really serious. This is the time of service that we be quiet, and you better be quiet because we get to pray. And I was like, whatever, man, I'm doing all my stuff, and I'm being loud. And so she reached over, and did your mom ever do this, pinch you on the back of it to get your attention? 
And she grabbed me, and she, she would just do that. And it, oh, fire ran through my arm. And in the middle of everybody being quiet and praying, I stood up and I went, don't pinch me! And my mom didn't put up with nothing, okay? She's tough. She's a five-foot-tall tough, okay? She picked me up, jerked me up by my arm, put me underneath her arm, and she starts taking me to the back. And I know what's going to happen because this had happened before. She's going to take me to the front porch of the church, and she was going to wear me out. She did. She's going to beat me with the inch of my life. And my wife, my mom tells this story. Halfway to the back of the church, I went, pray for me! I was that kid. So one day I'm at church. I'm at church about the same age, and I'm that little toot, and my mom would get, you know, some type of relief. She'd send me to Sunday school class. My Sunday school teacher was Devon Dillard, and everybody respected Devon. She was a saint. She, you know, would be asked to speak in the church. She knew the Bible frontward and backwards. And she had had it with me because I was not listening. I was doing wrong. She grabbed me by the ear in the middle of class and she kicked the door open and she took me into the Sunday school class that was meeting in the sanctuary. And in front of God and everybody in the church, she told my mom off. And she said, I'm sick and tired of this little brat. She said, he's always doing wrong. He never listens. And I remember these words clear if it just happened a second ago she said i can't imagine being this boy's mom in front of everybody she said he will never amount to anything well my mom tore into her and they got into a big fight (laughs) but let me just tell you something That was embarrassing as a child. And that happened in church. And the enemy whispered to me in that moment, and I believed what she said. She said, this boy is cursed. And I can't imagine being his mom. And for my entire childhood all the way into my adult life, I walked around, nobody knew this, but I believed that I was cursed. And all of a sudden, I'm going through, my marriage is going down the drain. We try church, and I meet this guy. And this guy spoke to me, and he said this. He said, Kevin, I don't know why, but God spoke to me, and he told me to tell you something. And, And I wasn't really used to this kind of thing. I was like, okay. And he says, God told me to tell you that you're blessed. And I went, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I, I know I'm not. And he goes, no, no, God, he specifically, I wrote it down. He told me to tell you that you're blessed. And I said, and here's the thing. One way to be able to get past these lies, these whispers that the enemy is to expose them into the light. The reason that we don't is because when the enemy whispers to them and we receive them, he surrounds them with fear and shame. Listen, he is the prince of darkness. He wants everything in the dark, and if it's in the dark, you are going to be in bondage towards those things. 
And for years, I wouldn't tell anything, anybody about this. I believed that I was cursed, but I wouldn't tell you because it was embarrassing. I, I was ashamed of that. And I went, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I just decided to get this out into the light. And I told him the same stories that I told you. And I said, this was a woman of God. She said it in front of God and everybody. And if she said it, it has to be true. I am cursed. And he says, no, Kevin. That lady was just having a bad day. She was frustrated. Have you ever been around a kid like you were when you were a kid? And I was like, yeah, that's really frustrating. And in your frustration, you say some things. And he says, God didn't curse you with a strong will. He blessed you with a strong will. And God says, if you'll start to use what he blessed you with, that strong will for his kingdom, you'll be unstoppable. Boom. A light bulb went off. Changed my life forever. You see, when you bring into the light, the spirit of truth will reveal to you what God says. And all of a sudden, I started to live my life not from a lie anymore, not from what the hurt whisperer said, but I lived my life from what the spirit of truth said that I wasn't a blessing and that, I mean, I wasn't a curse, that I was a blessing. And everything started to change. And I, I told that guy, I said, listen, I, now that we're, this feels good, it feels good to start talking about this stuff and kind of get it out into the light. I said, another thing I've been struggling with is I think I married the wrong person. <laughs> and he says, well, have you asked God about that? And I go, no. What do you think? He goes, no, you need to ask God about that. Just go to God in prayer. So I went to God in prayer. Went down to the altar. And I said, God, did I marry the devil? <laughs> and God spoke to me as clear as day. In my heart, it wasn't an audible voice. He said, no, I brought you and Lisa together. I blessed that union. And all of a sudden, I started living my life from truth. I stopped treating her like a curse. Because that's what I was, I treated myself like a curse. I'm going to treat everybody else out of that, right? I started treating her like the gift of God that she was. I stopped trying to stop, I stopped trying to change her. And I said, God, change me. I, I, I just, you know, embraced a relationship with God. And he started to speak to me and he started to change me, guys. And before you knew it, our, our, our marriage wasn't on the rocks anymore. Our marriage was healthy and vibrant. So vibrant that all of a sudden, it wasn't too long later that the pastor of the church came to us and he says, hey guys, can you guys teach a Sunday school class on marriage? That's what God does. He restores. You see, many of us, we're, we're walking around and we have these messages in our mind that we're believing these lies that we, we walk around with. I'll never succeed. God loves other people more than he loves me. Right? These things that we, you haven't ever told anybody, but you live your life from this place. I've sinned too much for God to forgive me. How about this one? 
You can't trust people. They'll always disappoint you. If God loves me, why did he allow blank to happen? I can't change. I'll always be this way. It's going through your mind right now. Some of us, it's this one. Something bad is going to happen to me to pay me back for the things that I've done. We walk around in fear. These are examples of thoughts that we carry around. These are things, thoughts that the hurt whisperer, he speaks into our heart. And we grab onto them and we start to live our lives based out of these things. And I came here today to tell you that you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live your life out of the lies that came from hurt and those messages that God, in the same way that he spoke to me, in the same way that he spoke to Adam and Eve, in the same way that he spoke to Peter, he's speaking to you today and he's saying, who told you that? Who told you that? And if you'll stop and think for a second, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. If you'll stop and think about what you've been thinking about, you'll be like a CSI detective and you'll see the fingerprints. You've been wearing a disguise. You came and I thought, I thought those thoughts that you sent, I thought that arrow that you pulled back and shot into my heart, I thought that thought came from me. I thought that that thought came from God. You came as an angel of light and all of a sudden, in a moment, everything will change. I say it's time to to rise up. Amen? In fact, everybody stand up. I think it's time for us as Christians to stop being chumps. Right? Stop being chumps and start being champs. Right? It's time for us to stop being parrots for the wicked one Whatever he says, we just repeat it. It's time for us to be warriors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and carry a banner with his message. First to ourselves. Right? First to ourselves. I'm going to ask you just just to bow, bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Come on, everybody in here. Just God wants to speak to you this morning. The hurt whisperer has come in a disguise and he's been speaking to your heart. He's been speaking lies to you. And I, and I want to say right now, there is therefore now no condemnation. Don't feel like a loser. Don't feel like a, a less than. We all struggle with this, okay? You're with family this morning. We all struggle with this. And I I just want you in a place of peace, in a place, in a safe place this morning, I just want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that I have believed? What are the lies that I have believed about myself? about my marriage about my life 
God, would you expose the enemy right now? I'm telling you, there's a, many of you right now, thoughts are coming to you. Lies that you've been believing. We're exposing them into the light right now. We're bringing them out of darkness. I, in the name of Jesus, command shame to go. I command fear to go in the name of Jesus right now. This is a safe place. We have exposed the enemy. And we speak to the enemy. You are defeated. We see that you have come with an arrow. But we have come with a shield of faith. And we declare and we decree that no longer will we live life by these lies. So right now where you're at, God's spoken to you what that lie was. Ask him to reveal to you. Ask the spirit of truth. Then what is the true thing? See, for me, it was that I was cursed and I would never amount to anything. If I would have never had my moment where God exposed those things and spoke to me what the spirit of truth would say, I would not be here speaking in front of you today. He gave me the truth. I am not cursed. I am blessed. I'm blessed with the strong will. And if I would use that for him, I would be unstoppable. And it's the truth. He's speaking to you right now the truth. No, you didn't marry the wrong person. He's a gift. She's a gift. Start treating them like that. Come on. Your marriage isn't over. Your relationship with your kids, it ain't over. That's the lies that the enemy's been saying. Come on. You haven't sinned too much that God doesn't love you. No, 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 no. That's, God's not against you. God is for you. Ask God right now, what do you say about me? What do you say about me? God says about you, where sin abound, grace abounds even much more. God says about you that you are the head and not the tail, that you're above only and not beneath. God says about you that you are his child in whom he is well pleased. God says about you that you have value. God says about you, you have so much value, you're worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what God says about you. God says about you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's what God says about you. That's the truth. And so this morning, we thank you, God. We thank you that you revealed, you exposed the enemy, and you said the enemy, he's tricky, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that ain't the way that it ends, baby. Because I came to give you life. I came, I lived, and I died, and I rose from the grave, and I took authority over death, hell, and the grave, and I gave that authority to you so that you can now live an abundant life. We thank you for that this morning, Lord. We thank you that we can live in freedom, free from the tyranny of the devil, free from the lies of the enemy. We thank you for that. 
And we declare these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now everybody look at me. What we just did needs to be happening daily in your life. Okay, it's not a one-time event where we came together as a family and we had strength and we created a safe place and we overcame the lies of the enemy. I'm telling you, you're going to get so good at this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become fun. You really are going to be able to see the enemy very quickly. You're going to see his tricks. You're going to see his traps. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's fun. And you're going to be, man, listen, I've been married for over 18 years now. I'm, I was young and dumb back then, man. I'm not making the same mistakes, okay? We have a great marriage now, okay? It's for us to bloom and bud and grow and mature. The earth is groaning for the mature sons and daughters of God. So every day, when you start, when you feel hurt, when you feel anxious, at that moment, God has given you the power to do exactly what we just did this morning. Right after a fight with your spouse. Oh, pastor, you saying that we're never going to have any more fights after we leave this place? We're so free. No, no, no. The Bible says, be angry. There is anger is going to come, but sin not. Calm yourself down after that fight with your spouse. And you're going to hear God say, who told you that? And you're going to go, man, oh, man. (laughs) Okay, God, that's right. And you're going to get better, stronger, and stronger. And you're going to become so strong at this that you're going to start helping other people do it. You're going to start discipling other people. And you're not going to go up to them and go, hey, will you be my disciple so I can? No, no, no. It's going to be real simple. Like somebody's going to come to you and they're going to say, I just feel so hurt. And you're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, let's let's talk about this. And you're not going to get real Christianese. You're not going to get all saying these big Christian words. You're just going to start to share your story and how it happened to you with them. And God's going to work it out with them. It's going to happen. Amen. God bless you guys.